Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 36 of Poker All the Games, where we will discuss stud, high, low, regular, a split pot game where the high hand gets half of the pot and the low hand gets the other half. For those that may be wondering, this game is different from stud eight or better that was discussed way back in episode six. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Since Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers. So we'll be starting off today's show as we do each episode, with me reviewing a beer from the U.S. and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. I'm pouring a Navigator Ale from Barley Creek Brewing Company in Tannersville, Pennsylvania not far from Camelback Ski Resort in the Poconos. They classify this one as a golden ale. Let's have a smell. I'm getting some malt and light fruit notes. Pretty simple and straightforward as a golden ale should be. Let's have a look. This beer pours a medium golden yellow with a thin white head of foam that is dissipating rather quickly. Now for the best part, let's have a taste. Following the nose almost to a T, I'm getting some maltiness, fruity esters coming from the yeast, and some floral hop bitterness. Getting a bit of something like maybe a honey sweetness as well. I have to say it's kind of odd. I really like the way this is coming across my palate, but there's something a little bit out of place and I can't quite determine what it is. Maybe it's one of the hops that's just not my favorite that they're using. And there's definitely more bitterness uh, than there should be, even though it is subtle. All in all, Barley Creek Brewing Company's Navigator Ale is a nice beer for a warm summer day, coming in at 5.3% ABV. Okay, I'm going to sit back and continue to enjoy this one while Martin describes what beer he has for us. Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today? Okay, this one, Sean, is actually one of my favourites. It's a beer that I've enjoyed many a time. Um, Paulana Weiss beer from a brewery in Munich called Paulana. It's it's an excellent beer. I've, one of my favourites. Um, yeah, it's, it's pod. It, it gives it. It's a nice. It's a lovely kind of. Uh, Goldy yellow, cloudy color with a very thick head of foam. Taste wise, oh, it just goes down so good. It, it's a beautiful beer for a warm evening. 
and that's what we've got right now in, in, in August in Malta. It's a perfect drink for tonight. So uh, I'm not reviewing a beer that um, I've not drunk before, which I usually try to do on this podcast, but uh, I've not had the chance to go around the uh, stores in recent days, but I had some of these in. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this beer. Salute. Salute. Yes, that is a, a wonderful beer, and it's all right. Sometimes I do the same thing. We have to go back to our old standbys, the, the classics, yeah. um, and Polliner um, is certainly one of those, and it, it, it's a wonderful beer. Yes, yes, it definitely won't. It's been one of my favorites for many years now. It's a lovely beer, yeah. Remember that our focus here is non-Hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. We define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode, we will be covering stud, high, low, regular. Martin, why don't you walk us through the game of stud, high, low, regular? Stud, high, low, regular is obviously very similar to stud, high, low, eight or better, which you covered in episode six of this podcast, Sean. The main difference, or the only difference really, is that there's no qualifier for the low hand. This means that in every case there is a high pot and a low pot, and the only way to scoop is to actually have the best hand at showdown for both high and low. Unless, of course, everyone folds, and then that, that means that the only player who made the last bet uh, will scoop anyway. That's the same in any poker variant. It's really hard to find any information on this game online. I will say that it is included in the World Series of Poker Dealers Choice tournaments as one of the many games that can be chosen by the players. So it's not quite a crazy out there variant as some of the games that we have already covered. Moving on to the way that the game is dealt and played, just like seven card stud, uh, high low and, and other stud variants, each player is initially required to post an ante, following which the dealer starting at seat one gives every player in turn two cards face down and then a third card face up. These cards are each dealt one at a time. Once each player has received those three cards, two down and one up, the player with the highest card showing, which is a difference when compared to seven cards stood high-low, the highest card showing makes the bring-in. The bring-in is a bet that is higher than the ante, but smaller than a full complete bet. There's then a round of betting. That's followed by the dealer burning a card, and then giving each player in turn, who is still in the hand, a fourth card face-up, also known as fourth street. There's then another round of betting at the small betting limit, led by the person with the lowest hand showing. Following that round of betting, the dealer burns another card, gives another card face-up to each player that's still in the hand, known as fifth street, and this is followed by a round of betting, again led by the person with the lowest hand showing, 
but now at the bigger betting limit. Following that round of betting, there's a sixth card, sorry, a burn card. The dealer will burn a card, then give each player a sixth card face up, known as Sixth Street, and there will be another round of betting, led again by the person with the lowest hand showing. Following that, the dealer burns a card and gives each player a seventh card, this time face down. This is known as Seventh Street or the River. And there's a round of betting, followed by showdown. At showdown, the pot is split between the best high poker hand, using five of the seven cards dealt to the individual, and the best low poker hand, using five of the seven cards dealt to the individual. The low hand is... Uh, decided in the same way as Raz. So Ace, 2, 3, 4, 5 is the nuts, and 6, 4, 3, 2, Ace, the second nuts, and so on. And it doesn't matter about suits in determining the low hand. A flush won't hurt you. So, for example, Ace, 2, 3, 4, 5, all of the same suit will be a cracking hand for high and the nuts for low. Any questions at this point, Sean? So it sounds like there are two differences uh, between the stud high low regular and study and that is that first of all like you mentioned there's no qualifier for low and second the other big one is that the high card starts the betting rather than the low hand so which you know is something to remember because in stud and study the low card um, on third street starts the action and in uh stud high low regular it's the high card so that is one of the big i mean the no qualifier that's kind of easy because that's in the name with regular but uh the uh high card starting to bet is uh one of the big differences that might not be apparent yeah precisely um yeah. actually that that does follow on to the fourth street and onwards as well in that uh in stud high low eight or better the highest hand showing will lead the betting, can check or bet. But in this version, it's the lowest hand showing that will lead the betting. It's, it's like like Raz rules, really, as far as the betting rounds are concerned. Okay, yeah, that makes it easier to remember than, yeah, just think of the betting rounds like the Raz rounds. Okay, so, sounds good. Um, I don't, yeah, and as you also mentioned, uh, I don't see this. I've never seen this in the U.S. anyway, outside of the World Series of Poker. And you said that um, you mentioned that it's in the dealer's choice game. I did see it in the side cash games um, at the during the World Series of Poker. So while the World Series of Poker was going, there were some side cash games. Um, and I did see that in the rotation on certain days. Stud high, low, regular. So that's the only place yeah. I've I've ever seen it. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, when I played it, it was in Coach's Game. When I first played it, it was in Coach's Game at Resorts World, the 816 mix. Um, I don't know if he's updated his uh, rotation since then, but it was one of 17 games in a rotation, stood high, low, regular. Actually, played slightly differently in his case as well. They play it as a pineapple version, in which in which um, in which case each player gets three cards face down and one open, and they must discard one of the face down cards. We mentioned, you know, this is called stud high low regular, not just stud high low, which could be confused with stud eight. But 
is there an Omaha Omaha high low regular because there's an Omaha eight or is there no Omaha game high low with no qualifier? That's a great point. I've never seen any version of Omaha high low without an eight or better qualifier. And that may be something to uh, get thinking about. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's a reason, um, uh, you know, once we start thinking about it or if there's not a reason. It would make the game a very different game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see a, a sort of technical reason why it, you know, would, wouldn't be possible, for example. Yeah, the, the, I, I agree. There's no technical reason. It would be a very different game. The strategy would be, wow, would be very different. Yes. And the ace-deuce, yes. ace-deuce three hands would go up in value exponentially. Because it doesn't matter if there's no uh, connecting low flop. You know, you, you, the flop can be all high cards and you still have the nut low with an ace two if you play that without a qualifier. Right. Well, that, has to, that has to be thought about, Sean. Nice idea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would be interesting. It well, but it's, it's one to think about for sure. How about some beginner's tips for stud high low regular to get us started? My. First strategy tip for this game is not to be the mug who overplays high pairs and even high trips because it's so likely that one of the person one of the players with a good low hand backs into a straight or a flush and you're gonna need a full house to beat that for the half of the pot that is the high hand. It can even be correct to fold high trips on early streets because you're up against a large number of players and a lot of pots and a lot of bets going into the pot. Really, if you have a hand like that, you want to be heads up and get to the showdown as cheaply as possible and get half of the pot. And that's not making much of a profit, is it? You're only splitting the antes and maybe they're bringing between you and the other, the other win of the pot. So, yeah, don't be the mug that overplays high pairs or high trips. The next strategy tip is basically to take advantage of the mug because there are always plenty of people that overplay those types of hands in this game. Once you know that you've locked up the low hand, get lots of bets in. Make them pay and hope that by the river your low hand is connected into a straight or maybe a flush and you can scoop the whole pot. And don't worry that that doesn't happen every time because you're making so much profit in the long term that that won't matter on any individual hand that that, that, that hasn't happened. Any questions on the strategy tips, Sean? So as far as strategy, it sounds like you need to play tighter than study. Would you say that is correct or incorrect in your experience? Um, I think you can safely say that with high hands you have to play much more tightly i would actually say that with good low hands you can open up a bit um because first of all with the high hands you know i i heard i didn't i didn't witness this hand but i heard of a, of a hand where somebody went crazy with the betting because he had rolled up queens and ended up getting scooped by somebody who had a low hand because they made a straight. 
and he got really upset about that. But, you know, if anybody made a strategic error in that hand, it was him. Um, I won't mention his name, but this is actually a very good player. And I think he, he, made, he made that mistake. I don't think he'd made that mistake again because I think he'd learn very quickly. But um, so, yeah, with, with high hands, you've got to be really... I, I would even think that it's not a mistake to throw away the, the, the rolled-up three-of-a-kind that everyone normally likes to, um, you know, normally likes to likes to see in the hand in the sort of standard stud games. Uh, but like I say, with the with the low cards, you know, get some bets in, get get some uh, realize some equity because you have a lot of equity in the hand if you've got three low cards, particularly if they are quite low and connected, and it's, and if they're suited, wonderful. Yeah, that's something a lot of folks would have to get used to for sure. You know, throwing away three kings or three aces, that's just not something we do normally in, in poker. No, exactly, exactly. And and actually I think this is probably <laughs> this is probably a game where people new to the game are always going to make that error if they're unfortunate enough to be dealt such a hand um uh, before they've had a chance to learn. Right. I mean, even in a game like deuce to seven triple draw, right? If you get if you see three twos or or you know three sevens, for example, or some you know a, a set of low cards, you might try to snow, so you yes. could still play your hand. So even in a game like that, you're not just throwing trips away necessarily. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But but this one, the the potential poison. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's good advice. I, I I like that you mentioned that during the strategy because uh, I think a lot of us, me included, uh, would it'd be tough to get away from that until we lost a pile of money. So uh, it's good to have yeah. that advice uh, up front. The, sure. the worst thing, the worst thing is uh, to play a hand like that and get half a pot with three or four players involved and think, yes, I've played a, neat, a nice hand really well and I've made a profit. <laughs> because that, yeah. that that can happen, but it can also <laughs> rule you into a false sense of uh, loving these types of hands, which yes. won't do you any good in the long run. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all won some hands over the years that we probably weren't really entitled to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I do like that you turned around the not only don't be a mug, but... Uh, sort of take advantage of the mugs in the game as well. So that, that was kind of a, a nice as nice to hear. Yeah. I think that actually, uh, I mean, probably interesting to think about that in, in future is possibly it's something I can uh, think about more often, but with this specific game, it really, you know, it really stands out very clearly that that's something that you need to be doing. Um, you see somebody, complete the betting or make put in a second or third bet with a high card showing and you're sitting there with three low cards. That's going to be, uh, oh yeah, wonderful. Let's get some bets in quick. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good to incorporate as we move forward for our listeners, um, sort of the things to look out for that inexperienced players make some of those mistakes and how to sort mm -hmm. of exploit that, you know, in an exploitative strategy. I think that would be helpful for the listeners and for me. Yes. Okay, let's go over some mixed game news. I do want to mention is to make sure, uh, as we say often on this podcast, just make sure that you're aware of the rules of a game. 
of the, each game that you're playing. I've recently seen a number of folks posting hands and they just can't understand why they lost. And this is mainly in Omaha. It comes from a lot of Hold'em players who move over to Omaha, which is kind of where it seems like a mix where, when people get started in mix from no limit Hold'em, they seem to move into Omaha because it's similar. But a lot of players are not realizing that you can only use two cards from your hand towards the best five card hand. So if you see this, please advise these players to listen to this podcast. Maybe after you've won a few pots from them, that's up to you. You make that decision, mm. but uh, <laughs> bring them over to this podcast because I, I've seen it a lot. They just just posting pictures of hands and wondering why they're losing. I remember the first time I ever played Omaha 20 years ago, playing in the cash game. I had nine, 10 Jack of hearts in my hand and saw the queen and king of hearts on the board. And I got all my money in thinking I'd got a straight flush. I had a, a really strong draw. It missed, but um, yeah, th that was a an expensive lesson. That, that, that I, I got I got the hang of it pretty quickly after that. So continuing on, Alan Kessler recently won his fourth circuit ring at uh, WSOPC, which is a World Series of Poker circuit event uh, at Groton Casino in Northern California, outside of San Francisco, Sacramento area. I know Alan gets a lot of flack on social media and, and in person as well, especially from Sean Deeb. But uh, honestly, I think there are a lot of folks who wouldn't mind having a sort of similar life to Alan. And that is like the ability, the ability to travel around the country and play in mixed games um, and cash. He, he cashes with frequency. I know a lot of them are main cashes and people razz him about that, but Hey, he's cashing. And once in a while he, he takes down a mixed game tournament, like in this event for uh, event for his uh, fourth circuit ring. So I don't know. In any event, congrats to Alan Kessler on his fourth circuit ring and for dealing with all the naysayers. <laughs> I shared a table with him at the World Series of Poker last year in the uh, eight game, the $1,500 eight game event. Um, he played well. I couldn't um, criticize anything that he did. And he was also a nice guy to have on the table. So, I mean, everybody, people with a profile always have a, a haters, don't they? So, uh, yeah, there's that always going to that be territory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, he I sat at a, a WSOP event with him a, a couple of years ago. I can't remember if it was 2021. It was during the pandemic uh, when we, we had masks on. But... Uh, I enjoyed sitting with him. David Singer was actually at that table with me as well. The only thing, and, and I don't like to say negative and, you know, whatever. I, the only thing about Alan was that that was annoying. He was sitting directly to my right, and he just kept correcting the dealer. And I get it. He plays a <laughs> lot of games. He knows every single rule, every single move a dealer would make. But it is the World Series. There are a lot of dealers who aren't familiar especially with mixed games and it's just the way it goes because there are just so many events and they need so many dealers and it just got a little bit annoying that he kept correcting the dealer like constantly yeah. and i'm like it's fine what the dealer was yeah. doing wasn't really outrageously incorrect but they were just little details go ahead yeah yeah i understand yeah um, other than that he's doing 
was a nice guy. And of course he was moaning about his hands, you know, just like he does on Twitter. If you follow him on Twitter, you know, about his bad beats. I mean, he was doing that in person. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I started talking with David Singer because I recognized him and he was, he was much more pleasant to, to sort of talk to at the table as far as that goes. But I don't think Alan is a bad guy. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't nasty to me. Didn't have anything to say about me um, for the most part. So. You didn't manage to outdraw him then. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I said for the most part, there were a couple of hands and, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, I, I, we all have our style and it's what makes it unique. And some are bigger winners than others. And uh, Hey, it, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, for the most part, he was on the dealer's case. And uh, I, I just, I, um, hey, I thank the dealers at the World Series. I know it's tough yeah. to to get the number of dealers that they need. And I always thank a dealer when a table breaks or if I'm moved or the dealer rotates out for a new dealer. I always thank the dealer and say, hey, I, I appreciate you dealing here at the series. Um, and I think that's it's important to encourage people to, to get, and they'll get better if they get some encouragement. If not, they're going to yeah. steer away from mixed games and, and maybe steer, steer away altogether. Yeah, that's that's great to hear that, Sean. I I I I'm also somebody that really appreciates the effort that dealers put in, and uh, and I know that we we rely on them a lot to to be able to play these games that we love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. So a uh, couple of other uh, sort of news, kind of not really mixed game news, a little bit mixed game, but more more general. So uh, there's been some talk recently about some events that have come up where tournament events that and there's actually no mixed game events in those and specifically the big one is in the bahamas the wsop this is a whole new event actually for the wsop where they're going to be awarding bracelets in atlantis where um the poker stars i guess the poker players championship used to be and so this is a new event and it's there's controversy be controversy because it's going on at a, the same time as a big win event in this December in Las Vegas. Yes. But I'm curious what your thoughts are, Martin, of uh, just tournaments that don't eat, don't have any mixed game events in them. Yeah. I mean, it's not unusual in some parts of the world. I think particularly in, in Europe, um, tournaments with mixed games, Oh, sorry, tournament schedules with mixed games included are the exception rather than the rule. Um, becoming less so, thankfully, in these days, uh, as we've mentioned a few times on the on this podcast, um, more and more mixed games are being offered in in these uh, schedules. I, I I think if there's a couple of reasons for it. One is, and you've touched on. On this already, we, we talked about the uh, scarcity of dealers. Um, one of the reasons, I think, is that it's tough to get good quality dealers, well-trained in mixed games, uh, in this insufficient numbers to run large-scale tournaments. Uh, operators find it difficult to do that. Or, um, well, the other, that's the other reason. It's it's It's... It's money. It's it's the money required to to train the dealers, and then the money that they're missing out on by not offering a hold'em tournament that might might attract a bigger field, um, which I think is a bit short sighted because I think 
looking ahead, I think I do think that mixed games are going to. I've touched on this in articles I've written and everything. I think mixed games are going to grow in popularity rather than decline. I think it's it's something that operators could be looking at to build loyal customer bases right now from um, from uh, mixed games playing population uh, to to see them you know go go, go forward with uh, those numbers already starting to. Uh, to be kind of guaranteed for them if they put on these events. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess uh, I understand why they don't put them on, but I don't particularly like it. I don't think it's really that much sense as far as a business point of view is concerned. Yeah, I think you nailed it, that money is the, the big reason. And, and that's, you know, the, the obviously the Hold'em events attract a lot more folks. And especially since this is, this event in particular with the WSOP is brand new. So they want to, you know, you want to make it a success the first time, the first go around. So you want to attract as many as numbers as you can. But I think, like you mentioned, it's short-sighted, even maybe for a slightly different reason that I'm going to mention here. And that is, if you add some mixed games, you're going to increase the numbers, right? And there are mixed game players who also play hold them, right? So you might get some well, mixed game players, right, coming down, and then they'll jump into some of the hold them events as well. So, yes, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to reduce your, your numbers by adding these events, you're going to increase your numbers overall. Yes. Yeah. And all in all, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. I think this, particular event in the Bahamas for the WSOP since they're awarding bracelets. This seems to me like a Daniel Negreanu built event. I, I think it's built for him to win some bracelets. He seems to have a drought in Vegas. I mean, obviously he's one of the top players, no disrespect at all, but I think, <laughs> I think he's going down there to win some bracelets because he's got some catching up to do. Yeah. Well, he does have some clout, I think with the, uh, We'll see the poker organizers. You might be onto something there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, and he does. Yeah, right. He does have some say in this. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. So, uh, but yeah, beautiful venue for sure in the Bahamas. You know, um, in the in the winter time here for some of us in the U.S. So, uh, you know, if you're a Hold'em player, go 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 bracelet chasing. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, one other thing. Yeah, this is along the same lines before we move on. But uh, there's been some talk as well about re-entries. Just in, this is mostly in general, but uh, here, since we talk about mixed games, do you have any thoughts on re-entries for mixed game events, Martin? Uh, How you feel you about that. them? Yeah, I, I only had a discussion with a friend of mine about this just over a week ago. Um because I can't remember why it came up, but but his comment was that um, mixed games, particularly the, the well, the fixed limit mixed games tournaments, with for them to have uh, re-entries is ridiculous, really. Big uh, because you know the, the fixed limit, it, it, it's generally you, you you don't expect to lose all your stack. In a fixed limit event so quickly, um, I don't know. I think they, that some of the operators do put, put the uh, make the uh, the schedules, the, the structures rather uh, rather 
uh, turboy, I think, in the early levels. And, and that's not without its uh, supporters amongst players because uh, then they don't feel like they, they want to turn up late regging because uh, they don't want to be playing for peanuts in the first in the early levels. Right. So um so I guess that, that gives some uh, credibility to having um re entries in limit tournaments. But um I did my personal my personal uh kind of uh, reference is not to have re-entries at all but um, I guess you know it leads to bigger price pools um, and, and people find it find them people people do like them for that reason uh, yeah I don't know a bit of a rambling response but um, yeah I, th- yeah, I think so again, again a positive size to it and, 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 and the opposite as well <laughs> Yeah, I think we have a common theme here. It's it's about the money, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Re-ent- re-entries money, add yeah. to the prize pool, yeah. And, uh, you know, then that's for the not only the uh, venue, but also for the player prize pool as well. But I- I'm in agreement with you. I, I don't like re-entries um, at max, maybe one. You know, I can see, especially in, in big bet games, I can see sometimes you just – you know, you just go in and and maybe have the worst of it. And maybe it was very early on in the tournament. So for some tournaments, I could see maybe a single re-entry, but I'm, hey, I'm one, hey, play your best from the beginning. And and that's kind of that. And if if, if you bust, yeah, you bust. I agree. I agree. And you know, the other thing is, if you, if you play a tournament as a freeze out, it is really a level playing field. But if you play with re-entries, it sways, it sways the tournament in, in to some extent in favour of the richer people, the wealthier players who can afford to fire some bullets. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're making some negative EV plays by doing that, but nevertheless, it's still it, it can still you know you imagine you're a, you're a player that only has one bullet in this in this tournament. Let's say you're playing holding, you get you stack in with aces and somebody's sitting there with Queen Jack suited, ready to re-enter. And they, you know, they, you're drawing dead on the turn because they've hit a flush or a straight. Um, it's, it's, it's frustrating. They wouldn't necessarily put those many big blinds in with that hand if it was a freeze-out. And But for that reason, I think that if you're going to offer re-entry tournaments, you should also offer freeze-out tournaments because then a player with that type of bankroll can know that they can play that tournament and not have to not have that kind of situation to face. Yes. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent there. I, I, I get tired of, you know, in our tournaments and all people are doing early on. In fact, I've stopped for online tournaments on poker stars, especially I, I don't, I don't let's sort of enter all the way late, but I, I don't enter a lot of times right away because these a lot of players they're just they're just basically going like pushing their stack in as fast as they can to either double up right away or you know and I know double up in a fixed limits I, I get it but if it's an eight game and the and the big bet turns or they're just 
pushing their stack so fast and furious that I, I just that that's not poker to me. That that's you know you might go gamble, go throw dice, I go play the lottery. I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah. but that's not poker sure. to me. And oh, okay. I, and I don't care for it. So so it sounds like we're on board. I, I saw it was Norman Chad, I believe he pushes this on Twitter. Oh yes, um, does, about yes. yeah. So it sounds like we're in agreement with Norman Chad on this one. Okay, that's all I have. Martin, what do you have for us as far as mixed game news from Europe? Just one item of news that uh, mixed games players might find interesting. I've become aware of a new Facebook group called Poker Mixed Games Network, which uh, looks like it's a worldwide um, sort of user base and it looks very interesting for people who are interested in mixed games poker. So if you're a Facebook user, look out for Poker Mixed Games Network, join up and see what they've got to offer. Thanks, Martin. All right, let's go over some upcoming mixed games. Uh, we'll start uh, with upcoming mixed game events in the U.S. So as far as mixed cash games, there's the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut that has an 816 uh, cash game that runs. I called the poker room and was told it is an OE rotation. That is a rotation of Stud 8 and Omaha 8. I have seen a horse cash game once on their list, and I'll keep an eye out and let you know if I see that one again. Also in Connecticut, there's Foxwoods, which has seven-card stud cash games, and Borgata in Atlantic City also holds seven-card stud cash games, but Foxwoods has a much better selection, and those seem to run all through the week, whereas uh, at the Borgata in Atlantic City, those seven-card stud games seem to only run Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so generally on the weekends. Across the country, we have a 4-8 and an 8-16 mixed cash game at Resorts World in Las Vegas that seems to uh, play fairly regularly, maybe a couple of times a week. I would keep an eye on the Mixed Game Poker in Las Vegas uh, Twitter page for updates. So that's cash games. As far as mixed poker tournaments, uh, we have a new one for the list here. Seminole, Seminole Hard Rock Signature Series in Tampa, Florida from September 6th through the 20th. They're going, going to be running uh, PLO, PLO 8, Big O, which is five-card PLO 8, uh, a mixed PLO event, so a lot of PLO, also, an 08, a tournament called Toe, T-O-E, which is Deuce to Seven Triple Draw, Omaha 8, and Stud 8. There's also going to be a Horse or Heroes mix, an 8-game mix, which is Horse plus 3 additional games, Pot Limit Omaha, No Limit Hold'em, and Deuce to Seven Triple Draw. The buy-ins for these events are all $400, except for the eight-game mix, mix, which is $600. And again, that's the Seminole Hard Rock Signature Series in Tampa, Florida, uh, starting on September 6th through the 20th. Next, we have the Moneymaker Tour at the Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati, Ohio. That one's going to be running from Thursday, September 21st 
through Monday, October 2nd. It's mostly No Limit Hold'em, but there are a few mixed game tournaments on the schedule. Uh, Wednesday, September 27th at 4.15 is a $300 buy-in horse tournament. Again, horse is the five-game mix of Limit Hold'em, Omaha 8, Raz, Stud, and Study. Thursday, the following day uh, after the horse tournament, Thursday, same time, 4.15 p.m., September 28th, is a $600 buy-in, No Limit Hold'em, PLO, five-card PLO mix. And then that Friday, September 29th at 4 p.m., is a $300 buy-in stud tournament. Uh, and those events actually have uh, either a ten or 20000 guarantee. And for the uh, complete schedule with locations, date, and structure sheets, you can find that at moneymakerpt.com. And I do have plans to attend the Moneymaker Tour in Cincinnati, and I'm looking to enter the uh, horse tournament and the stud tournament uh, that week. We also have the upcoming Poker Go Tour in Las Vegas scheduled to run from October 5th through the 14th. There, the games include an eight-game mix, ten-game mix, dealer's choice, horse, no limit, deuce to seven, single draw, and a triple draw mix. And the buy-ins for those are rather large, uh, starting at five thousand dollars, I believe, and most of them are, are ten thousand. And uh, there might be one or two championships that are in the twenty-five thousand dollar range, but there are. If that's out of your buy-in range and you are interested, there are a few satellites running the first week of October um, with smaller buy-ins that lead to entries into the larger buy-in events. Details on that schedule and structures can be found at pgt.com slash schedule. That's it for upcoming mixed poker tournaments. Um, in the U.S., as well as some mixed cash games that run. Martin, what events do we have for mixed game poker players in Europe? As always, there are quite a few tournament schedules to cover in the uh, upcoming events for mixed games players in Europe. First of all, from the 2nd to the 9th of September, there's the ETOP PLO Festival that includes a number of mixed games tournaments, sadly. I believe all the berths have been sold on that cruise, so you just need to look out for the next one. I do understand that Etop is planning a land-based festival later on this year, so keep your eyes peeled, your ears open for that one. Overlapping with that, from the 4th of September to the 10th of September, is the Cool Bet Open at Banco Casino Bratislava. And that includes um, some events interesting to mixed games players. Four and five card PLO, um, eight game, and Pot Limit Omaha High Low, eight or better. Moving on from that, the Wiltshire's a poker circuit and Olivet events jointly are running a schedule in the... Uh, Olympic Casino in Tallinn, in Estonia, from the 14th of September 
to the 24th of September that includes a number of mixed games events, including, I believe, at least one circuit ring available for a mixed games event. And on from that, the Party Poker Millions in Malta from the 23rd of September to the 3rd of October includes an eight-game event and a horse event. Also in Malta, the Malta Poker Festival running from the 23rd to the 30th of October includes a Crazy Pineapple Tournament and a Horse Five-Game Mix Tournament. They are the 24th and the 25th of October, respectively, those two tournaments. And finally, I'm looking forward to the schedule coming out for the Festival Series in Bratislava, which will run from the 27th of November to the 3rd of December. At the moment, I don't have any further information about mixed cash games in Europe, but I'm putting my feelers out to try to find out if there's anything interesting that we can add to the podcast in later episodes. Back over to you, Sean. Thanks, Martin. I just like to uh, request from any listeners if you know of any upcoming mixed game tournament events or cash games uh, that we might not mention in Europe or in the US, please leave a comment or get a hold of us uh, so we can let our listeners know. And you can find our contact information at the end of each podcast. All right, let's talk about our recent mixed game play. So I have played quite a bit um online i know you know for those who follow this podcast i not a big online proponent but uh since martin you know got that uh got me some chips from his affiliate link on swc i've uh, and i moved some money in some bitcoin in there as well um i've been playing quite a bit online at swc so some cash games. I played some some twelve game cash, which was the first time I ever played a twelve game mix anywhere. Um, I played eight game mix online and live before, but never twelve games. So my first twelve game experience online cash game. Um, I played some deuce to seven triple draw, and that was some of that was heads up and some not. And I also played some heads up stud. Um, which was interesting. I never really played heads up cash game before. So this was my first experience playing heads up stud and deuce to seven triple draw cash. Um, I got, because I was just excited to play and there was only one person at the table, I was kind of a bit overzealous because I just, I just wanted to play cards. Um, Mm -hmm. And there just happened to only be one other person. And it happened to be the same person for both of those games. But uh, the stud, he just, he or she, just basically wiped me on the floor that went very fast. And then the deuce to seven triple draw was interesting. Again, same player. I had this person on the ropes. They were down to their last 80. They had 82 chips behind in this hand and they won that hand and then ended up coming back and taking all the rest of my chips. Oh hell! (laughs) Uh, But but it was fun. It was different. Like I said, heads up is always heads up play in, in hold them as well. It's very different than, uh, you know, a, a ring game. So I, I, I did learn a lot and I actually know a lot about this person and how they play. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I did also play just a very little bit, some drama hot, Svitin special. Um, and 
uh, I did buy, I did go out and buy Martin's uh, ebook immediately after that game. I figured <laughs> I need a lot of help in there. So, uh, so I'm hoping uh, we'll see how good I'll let you all know how good his book is once I get a chance to start reading it and get back to, to playing some of that game. But it took a bit of getting used to the, that game because it's different than a lot of other split pot games because there's a flop and a draw. And that just, it was just very hard to understand what hands to kind of start with. So I'm looking forward to uh, trying to find some time to read Martin's book and uh, hopefully at least getting an idea of what starting hands to begin to begin with. Martin tells me there's a lot of good stuff about starting hands strategy in there. Right, Martin? Absolutely correct. Yes. Yes. Good. And, and uh, it's an important street. You need to know. You need to know whether it's worth starting off a hand with putting chips in or not. And uh, as you say, in that game, it's not always obvious unless you're yeah. used to it, unless you get used to it, yeah. Yep. And like I said, I mean, that was a bit, I mean, I haven't played that much online in I don't even know when. So that was the online cash on SWC. Then I also played a, a, a number of tournaments um, because they've had their uh, Bitcoin series of poker going i played uh, a raz tournament ended up placing eighth out of i believe 32 entries i didn't cash i think they were only paying the top five so i was i ate out of 32 entries and uh just missed the cash by by three spots i played a triple stud mix tournament also all of these are on swc online triple stud mix which is stud study and raz um, I didn't do so well on that one. I, I wasn't, I really should have just unregistered, but I, I actually had some stuff going on that day. Didn't make it to the computer in time to get out of the registration. So I just kind of jumped in and, uh, my head wasn't in it, but I placed 12th out of, I believe maybe, I, I think there were only 18 entries, but I probably got out so quick that the re-entry period was probably still going on. So there were 18 at the time and I was 12th. Uh, I had an eight game free roll. Uh, there's some free rolls that have, have run certain times and there was a, an eight game free roll and I placed fifth for a cash out of 55 entries. So I was, I was proud. I, I love eight oh, game. One. It's one of my, one of my favorites. Um, one, one other game that I did play was the 12 game mix. This was exciting because Martin also was in this event. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about it. Then we'll turn it over to his mixed gameplay. But um, so 12 game, for those who don't know, is eight game, which is this is, goes down. So 12 game is eight game plus four others. And eight game is horse plus no limit hold'em, <laughs> pot limit Omaha, induce the seven triple draw. So plus four other games. Um, and those four games are... Badusi, Badesi, and Badoogie, and No Limit Deuce to Seven Single Draw. I always forget that one. Martin had to remind me. I actually didn't know what the fourth, the twelfth game was. So, like I said, Martin was this in this, and we were at the top for a while, sort of battling back and forth in the in the top, probably three, four, five places. Um, I would I was ahead for a while. Martin would leapfrog me. I'd go ahead of Martin a little bit. I was I was actually busy. I should have been focusing more on the game, but I was watching Martin and I sort of go back and forth with with uh, in the top few spots for a while with this leapfrogging. It went back and forth. Um, I ended up with a third place cash out of, I believe there were 
um, 38 entrants in, in that event. I'm very excited. I started studying the mixed games a little more. Um, and I'm very excited to be able to use what I'm learning in a game because I've been studying a bit and I, I my studying just drops off because I've got nowhere to really play these games. And now I have an avenue to play these games. And so, you know, studying does no good without playing and playing doesn't do any good without studying. So now I have an avenue uh, for both and I'm looking forward to continuing to get better and make a run at the WSOP this year. So with all that said, uh, Martin, why don't you tell us about your uh, continued mixed game tournament success, both <laughs> online and live. Okay. Yes. Th that 12 game tournament was uh, really enjoyable. It was great to, to, uh, to battle. We, we were on different tables most of the time, but we'd both made it to the final yes. table. You, you, you were ended up, uh, busting in third, and I, I'd gone out before you in fifth. Um, but like you said, like you rightly said, we were, we both had time at the top of the leaderboard, and we we spent quite a lot of the tournament in the in that top two, three, four, five spots, both of us. So it was, yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, it, it was exciting to be at the final table with you as well. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think um, that says something. Yeah. Before I think that says something about this podcast, Martin, you know, <laughs> that, that yeah, should be good. It credit certainly for, does. For the podcast. <laughs> it's a, it's a nice mix of games. I actually play quite a lot of cash on SWC poker 12 game as well. Um, and I've, I've, I've been doing it for the last few weeks. It's uh, it runs fairly regularly uh, at quite different stake levels as well. You sort of, not macro, macro, but short, but but uh, low limit, but also some medium to high as well. And I've been dabbling at both, at both ends of that uh, spectrum, and uh, doing okay. Um, but yes, you mentioned tournaments. Uh, so as well as that SWC twelve game tournament where I cashed in fifth, actually on that Bitcoin series of poker, I did mention in the last podcast the one on Baduki High Low that I won the horse championship in that festival uh, but I played I think six tournaments and cashed in four so it went really well for me that that uh, series um, but apart from that I have won some tournaments recently um, a couple of low buying tournaments on PokerStars a uh, $7.50 buy-in eight game tournament a $4.40 buy-in what limit Cochevel High Low tournament, and also the the uh, weekly Svitten special tournament in Botmaso Casino in Malta. I took that one down as well. So uh, yeah, I've been uh, running pretty well recently, all, all this year to be honest. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been playing uh, quite a lot of cash, as I said, not not just a twelve game on on SWC poker, but also. Uh, Svitten, Dromaha, um, some six-card pot limit Omaha high-low, and Deuce to seven open-faced Chinese. Um, and also a few other little things that I've dabbled in, like there's a low-ball mix. There's a, a there's eight game as well. And uh, I've, I've sat on a Badusi table once and a Badugi table, sorry, Badesi table once. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying experimenting with these tables nice to see poker. I play on a computer and that enables me to 
open up a table where there are already people playing and joining that, but also sit at a second or third and third and fourth table on my own, waiting for others to join, and, and generally they do. Uh, if I was sitting there not playing on another table, it just wouldn't work. It'd be, it could be quite a while before they join, anybody joins, but uh, yeah, I've been... Uh, I've been playing, uh, been able to play lots of different variants because of uh, because of that. Um, yeah, uh, so it's been going well, well for me recently again. <laughs> yeah, congratulations! You uh, you had a goal to win as many tournaments as you can in as many variants, and uh, you, you got off to a you got off on fire at the beginning of the year. Your New Year's resolution is just continuing straight through here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying that that aspect of this year. I've got a nice the the blog posts where I oh uh, I always put the post the tournament wins on the blog posts. The, the list at the end of the blog posts is getting longer and longer. <laughs> My tournament wins so far this year. Yeah, I, I have to kind of scroll now to see see all the wins. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's a there's a <laughs> what I like best about it is this is. But it's both that, but also the fact that there's a lot of different variants in there. Yeah, for sure. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna rag on Sean Deeb again. I'm gonna have to tag him uh, when, when we post this episode. But uh, I bet he would like his weight loss bet to be going as well as your uh, New Year's resolution of uh, winning <laughs> as many variants as you can. Actually, that's that's not something I'm aware of. How is his weight loss oh. bet going? It actually seems to be going quite well, but like anything, right, early on, the, the first sort of quite a bit of pounds is easy. It's when you get down, start getting closer to the goal where it, it gets tougher, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's going yeah. well, but it's a, I don't think it's just a weight loss. I think it's like a BMI or something. You get a scan, um, and so he can't just keep losing. He also has to gain some muscle mass, I, I believe that's how it works. So it, there's a little more to it. And I think he's having trouble with, you know, right. The hard part is doing both of those things. I see. Mm. So I, that, that's, I don't follow it too closely, but um, it's, of course it's with Bill Perkins who makes a lot of these bets, which are darn near impossible. I think he understands the limit of a human being <clears throat> and he makes it, but he also part of it is to help people improve, right? Even if even if Sean doesn't win the bet, I mean he he's probably become a will have become much healthier um, in the end, and hopefully you know he can win some money as well. Yeah, that's that's a a cool thing about this 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 particular prop bet. It, it, it it's obviously going to help Sean Deeb in uh, in that respect. It it it'll, it'll be a. Fitter, healthier, leaner, um, leaner poker player who's going to probably gain some stamina at the table as well. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say focus, he, he already, so. yeah, he already um, does quite well in the in the poker world. So, uh, hey, look out, a leaner, meaner um, Sean D poker player. Uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, Negron, you better get yeah, the Bahamas yeah. and uh, rack up every bracelet he can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, it sounds quite a a scary thing. <laughs> Poker World yes. might be cursing Bill Perkins after all. Yes, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Good. 
If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em, and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svitin Special or Dromaha that I had played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy no ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, all the games. It's poker, at poker, all the games, but there's no E in poker because it's too many letters for Twitter. Or <laughs> And or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com. Dot com and when you see our um on twitter we post these uh episodes and or if you go to uh, substack and subscribe there uh hit the like button for us send a subscribe um to pokerchannel.substack.com and you can also follow martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is on both twitter and substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p o k e r the number four, L-E-I-S-U-R-E. So on Twitter, it's poker for, at Poker for Leisure. And on Substack, it's pokerforleisure.substack.com. Well, that's all for episode 36, Stud, High Low, Regular. Join us again in three weeks for episode 37, where we will discuss the ever-so-dangerous version of poker called Squid Game, the action-packed, less dangerous version than the Netflix series by the same name. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm -hmm.